Welcome to Relish Pod. Where simple pleasures are gained by cooking what you eat. I'm Mark Witt. And I'm Tim Gallagher. We're here today. This is our 12th episode, Tim. Episode number 12. We're 12. One, one year anniversary. One year deep. That's pretty exciting for yeah. us. Cheers. We made it for a full year. Somehow. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a few good things to talk about today. Let's just follow up on our last episode, episode 11. We primarily were talking about uh, spring is on its way. Today's actually, is today the first day yeah, of spring? It is. Happy spring. Happy spring as well. Anniversary, spring, primavera, all the good stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> new new beginnings. So I like that. Uh, but we were talking on our last episode, you were explaining to us about you are getting ready to do all your planting and stuff. Yeah, um, I have all my seeds. Okay. We're getting there. Um, I haven't started anything officially just because I really haven't put the time in yet. But that'll happen this week. Right. You know, I'll start lots of peppers. You know, I've got a couple different sweet bell peppers. Okay. And then a couple different hot peppers. So the seeds are ordered, though. And they're they're you, here. You have yeah. everything here. Yeah, everything came from Johnny's and okay. Annie's heirlooms. Okay. Um, but nothing really started yet in your in your seedlings. The right only thing that started, and this is something that I recommend for everybody, um, it's 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 so easy, it's it's crazy. Uh, but that is sweet potatoes. So we've planted sweet potatoes. This will be our third year. Um, and it's a very effective and easy thing to grow. Okay. Um, and to start your sweet potatoes, all you have to have is one sweet potato, the, you know, the vegetable itself. Right. And if you put one end of that in a glass of water, the other end, the air, the end that's not in the water will sprout, uh, um, vegetation. You'll, okay. you'll see, and I'll show you this in the kitchen, maybe you even saw it. Sure. You'll see the roots growing down the bottom, in the water. Okay. You know, and you'll see the vegetation coming out of the, the vegetable itself. And then that vegetation, once it gets big enough, you can, you can uh, take it off and then plant that into soil. And that will grow roots. And then you then take that and plant it in your garden. Okay. And uh, sweet potatoes aren't like other potatoes where they grow underground. Uh, sweet potatoes will vine, and at that original, and they're going to grow above ground. They they grow underground, right? But not like a traditional tuber. I don't know what family they're in. Okay, but those roots basically turn into sweet potatoes, right? But you're gonna still you're still going to see growth, um, like a vine almost. Yeah, they they basically yeah. are like vines. Yeah, yeah, and they grow like crazy. They go yeah. all over the place. It's like a pumpkin almost. Yeah. But yeah, those roots eventually turn into the sweet potato. Right. Yeah, we do some at the restaurant just because they're a cool um, hanger. So we put them up kind of high and let them drape down over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it couldn't be easier to start these things. Um, and there's tons of information out there for it. So, uh, so yeah, out of this one potato, like how many potatoes? I have probably 12 to 14 sprigs, I'll call them, growing out of this one potato. Wow. Uh, and it's a big one, you know, it's big, you know, like two fists, right? you know, so it's big, but I, I mean, and it just keeps on going. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Right. So I'm pretty excited. Nice. Yeah. So I get, I have some to share. I can give some to Lid's mom, sure. you know, yeah. you know so. and that's it. Cause we can only, in our four by eight bed, we can only get about six plants in there before it just takes everything over. So I have more than I can handle. And now, you know, with all these, uh, peppers, I'm going to, we'll start and, uh, let's see, we'll. And we usually get our tomatoes elsewhere. We get them from Backbone Food Farm. Um, 
the actual plants. Yeah, the plants because they just they do such a beautiful job. Yep, and they have such a lot, such a lot of varieties. Plants. Yeah, um, but I have lots. I'll have lots of peppers to give away. Plants, you know. So I have some people that I trade with. Nice. this and that. So yeah. you know, because he, he always if you're starting plants or even if you're buying like a six pack from somewhere you usually have too much especially if you're talking hot peppers yeah you know you don't everyone's trying to give away the hot peppers oh yeah 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 because you yeah. if you get a six pack of habanero plants right you grow the plants each plant has like 200 big yield. Pe- you know yeah. peppers yeah. what are you going to do with all right. that you know so and it's just fun it's like trading cards you know sure absolutely <laughs> so uh that's kind of underway and yeah um, so we're watching, watching for the first signs of asparagus, which this time last year, March 18th, in my notes, March 18th, were the first signs of asparagus. Nothing yet. You know, we did have about a foot of snow last week. Yeah, it's been a little gonna, bit of an atypical year. Yeah, it's strange. A lot of temperature fluctuations. Um, you know, at first, I thought for sure they were going to come up like early march but it didn't right we've had some forsythia blooms some daffodils are blooming and then bam the snow hits now who knows i guess it all sets back right who knows who cares yeah i mean we had that very uh very warm spell yeah which everyone may or may not have thought that spring was here and it was here to stay but yeah i think most people knew better and that we were going to have some cold temperatures on the back end of that and that's exactly what happened a lot of cold temperatures snow and stuff so that really affects the yeah. The the growing season and how things are starting to bloom and stuff coming up for spring. Yeah. So, uh, I know. I, I was getting pretty excited, but now I'm more back to earth. And, right. Yeah, it's typical. So, uh, with all these fluctuations in temperatures, how does that affect the maple syrup season? Well, it totally affected us this year. Um, typically, we are cooking uh, or tapping our trees right about now, mid, uh, you know, mid-March, beginning of March. Um to actually tap and we're cooking maybe third week, fourth week in March. This year we were actually tapping trees in February because we were afraid that the trees were going to go into bud yeah. and uh, we wouldn't have much of a season. So was so, that effective? Uh, it, it was effective, yes. I mean, when we did tap, we actually gained overnight a lot more sap than we were anticipating, Yeah. Um, which forced us into a quicker cook. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is we didn't have our guys in place to cook, so it took us forever to cook down what we actually had. A couple guys doing a lot of hard work. Right. Yeah. I mean, typically we have five, six, seven guys on site helping out. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a lot of work. You're moving around the sap. Um, you know, there's wood cutting. you got to maintain the fire constantly. you got to be uh, moving the, syrup, uh, the sap forward, um, finishing the sap. So... It was just a very atypical year. And I think the other thing that really affected us this year was uh, the sugar content of the actual sap. Hmm. Okay. So it just seemed that it was not, there wasn't a lot of sugar in it. Oh, okay. So, you know, typically we're cooking about 50 gallons of sap down to one gallon of syrup. And this year it seemed like we were cooking closer to 60 to 70 gallons. Wow. Just to gain one gallon. One gallon. Yeah. Huh, okay. So the sugar content wasn't the, the, the wasn't there, hmm. you know. And they, you know, everyone's got an opinion on that. There's been research done on that. Some of it is due to the fact, you know, we always find, you know, just from experience that the colder winter, the more that the ground is actually frozen, and the colder winter, and the more moisture that's absorbed into the ground, um, we will produce better results. 
this year was not a lot of moisture, not a lot of snowfall, not a lot of cold temperatures, and it got warm early. Yeah. So the, you know, the sugar content just didn't seem that it was there. You know, and then people talk about previous years, how it will affect like what this year is actually going to do. And when the trees start to bud and it's using those sugars to actually form the leaves and, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how it will actually impact next year. So there's always this carryover effect. Huh. So next year might be better. Next year might even be worse. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we're actually finishing up. We're in, what is today? The 20. It's got to be the 21st. 21st, 22nd there somewhere. 20th. Uh, 20th. <laughs> um, you know, we're actually finishing up our last cook this week. It may run a little bit more after that. But, um, you know, we had a pretty good season. Um, you know, we ended up with basically where we want it to be. Probably a little bit less. But, um, you know, overall it was a pretty good season. All right. Well, good. Yeah. Well, we tried some. It's delicious. Well, thanks. Yeah. I've never had, I've never tasted syrup with so much complexity. Yeah. You know, that's what's interesting about maple syrup. It's like, um, you know, they talk about, you know, maple syrup can actually be, if you look at it and think about uh, like almost like growing grapes and what that, you know, and and grapes, it's called the terroir. And Mm -hmm that uh that under that that element that's in the earth is what the the trees are picking up yeah and there's actually some truth to that in the, in the syrup production so things that are coming out of vermont things that are coming out of new hampshire canada um, uh, new york all along the northeast coast um, there's different flavorings you're going to get different you know you're going to notice those vanillas or stuff like that those different scents and stuff in there yeah and and you know and, and with each of our cooks because we're not blending per se and blending would be more of a process where you're taking uh, the run from the start to the finish and blending that sap all together. Okay. What we're doing is actually doing a true, like, this is our first run. Yeah. This is what we gathered on the first run. Yeah. And we're cooking that down. Okay. This is what we gathered on our second run, and we're cooking that down. And as the season progresses, you get more of a cellulose product in the sap. Huh. Um, starts to get a little grainier, starts to get a little more cloudy. And that's where you run into your darker ambers and stuff. Okay. Um, and but you know people like that. Yeah. So we have some stuff produced on our, what I don't know what we're calling, uh, our sixth or seventh cook, where it's pretty dark stuff, um, pretty robust stuff, um, and but a lot of people like that. You know, so we have all different varying grades of our stuff. All right. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of maple syrup and all that stuff. Today's episode is about breakfast. Yeah, I mean, it's a good time to implement the maple syrup into that. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, favorite breakfast foods for many people is French toast. And that is something that you were interested in talking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about French toast is it's such a simple dish. um, And if you have good maple syrup to complement it, um, even better yet. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer if you're going to eat pancakes, you're going to eat French toast, you know. Go out, find some good stuff. You know, don't use that fake syrup stuff. You know, it's just, it's just sugar. <laughs> it's corn syrup. Corn syrup and yeah. uh, flavorings and stuff like that. So, you know, definitely find the good stuff. But really what I want to talk about French toast is, again, this doesn't, you know, it's such a simple dish um, to make. But most places, even most of your diners or any place like that, they're really doing a, a, a true injustice. Because everyone's taking the white Wonder Bread Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, it's some stale old bread, and it's kind of like, okay, we got some product to use up here, and yeah, you know, you make a little bit of a egg wash, um, soak your bread in it, slap it on the griddle, and boom, it comes off, and it's okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. 
So my suggestions here are, you know, don't be afraid to like uh, bring it up a notch. You know, one thing that we're, I'm talking about today is maybe, um, you know, find your better breads, you know, challah, brioche. Um, yeah. um, uh, I think at Martin's they make that uh, salio bread or a Portuguese bread. Okay. Um, those are both real nice, dense breads. Mm, okay. You know, buy them a couple days out. You actually want them to like harden up a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, the, the fresher the bread is not as good. If you're actually going to buy fresh bread, huh. I slightly toast it a little bit just to just to give it a little bit more texture. Okay. You know, you want a little bit more of a dense bread because okay. you're looking for it to soak up some of that milk and egg mixture. Sure. All right. Okay. Um, but uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about today is uh, a French toast, and we're going to do a bourbon maple butter on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to get it a little bit more exciting, we're going to crust it. Oh, crap. Maybe, okay. uh, you know, so we have different options there. But, you know, very simply, you got some cornflakes around the house, some good cornflakes. Yeah, sure. Crush some cornflakes up, you know, hmm. roll them in a bag, crush them and stuff. And what we're simply going to do is we're going to take um, some eggs, beat your eggs. Um, at that point, you can put some uh, cinnamon. If you have fresh cinnamon, that's great. Scrape your vanilla beans. Um um, stuff like that. Cardamom always goes great in there. And uh, then a little bit of milk. Whip that up until it gets nice and foamy. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. And um, take your bread, dunk your bread, let it soak for about 20 to 30 seconds, and dip it into those nice crushed cornflakes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've always, I a few times I've made French toast, I usually soak them for way longer than a you know, 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, listen again, that's going to be dependent on the bread. I think okay. that's a happy medium 30 seconds. Yeah. I think it depends. And if you're using fresh bread, it's uh, not going to be as long. If you're using okay. more of a dense bread, it's just depending on what kind of results you're looking for. Okay. All right. And so when you crush up your cornflakes, uh, you're, you're getting them to uh, a powder or a little more, uh, again, I mean, I think that's up to you. Yeah. I okay. think something, uh, definitely, you know, if you're going to leave them whole, obviously they're not going to stick on there. Nah. So you want something that's just a little bit more fine. Yeah. But it doesn't need to be the point where they're dust. It's like a coarse coffee ground or something sure. like that. Sure. Yeah. Even a little bit coarser than that, maybe. All right. Yeah. You know, but that's just something interesting yeah. you can throw onto it. Yeah. Um, like you know, it. so we got that going. Um, you know, again, cast iron or, mm-hmm. you know, something, a nonstick pan or something. Yeah. Uh, firm believer. Using butter here, you okay. know, butter in the um, pan, butter in the pan. Yeah, you know, you don't want you don't want French toast tasting like olive oil or vegetable oil. Yeah, I guess not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, some people do it if you have a nonstick pan. Maybe no fat at all, but definitely if you're going to use the fat, use the butter. Yeah. Um, so medium heat. You know, you want your pan hot. You don't want your pan smoking. Um, sear them nice. You know, two yeah. or three minutes on one side. Yeah. And then just a flip. You know, and two or three minutes on the other side. Done. You know, don't go back and forth though. Yeah. You know, gotcha. let that let those eggs nice and sear on there. Yeah. And uh, that's what you're looking for. It's like cooking a piece of meat. Flip it once. Turn it once. Yeah. 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 For sure. Cool. Um, but the best part here is the the bourbon maple butter. Okay. So that's what we're going to top these bad boys with. <laughs> okay. And again, this is very simple. Um, we can put some of these up on our webpage. Um, actual recipes for these, but this is simply going to be some room temperature butter. Um, maple syrup, um, bourbon, you know, any bourbon would work. I always reduce my bourbon down a little bit. If you have kids, obviously we're not going to want to do the bourbon. Yeah. Um, cooking it will take some of the alcohol off, but it's probably not all going to be gone. But just, I do a simple bourbon reduction, maybe a little bit of salt in there, 
And um, I'm going to put my maple syrup in there and let that just reduce down a little bit and allow that to cool. So this is something you could probably do the night before. Yeah. And you, it's a, just to hold it, you reduce it by like half or. Yeah, you're just third. looking to thicken it up a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, so nothing crazy, just where you notice that it's reduced. Correct. Now some. you have to think like, so what you, you know, there's really only three components here. We're looking at, we're, we're looking at room temperature butter. We're looking at maple syrup and a bourbon reduction. Okay. So your bourbon's going to be essentially liquid. Yeah. You know, so that's the one thing that you're reducing down. You're going to yeah. intensify your flavor just a little bit. The alcohol will cook off. Mm. And then we're going to add our syrup to that. Again, this is something, once syrup, uh, you know, this is a good point here. Once syrup is actually syrup, you know, you can't get too much heat into this stuff because you will burn it. You'll start to scorch it. Okay. Sugar. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, at this point, when you're making maple syrup, you're at 66, 68% sugar content. Okay. You know, that's kind of like if you're calibrating it on a um, hydrometer, when you're actually making the syrup. You're about 66, 68%. So it's, you know, seven, almost 70% pure sugar versus the other percent's water content. All right. It's a good point. Yeah. You know, so there's not much, uh, there's not much room there that, um, you can kind of walk away and next thing you know, your pan's going to be scorched, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So we're going to allow that to cool. And then, you know, eventually you can put that in the refrigerator, let that cool down. And then we're going to take our room temperature butter and kind of just meld those together, you know? Once your French toast is done, bring it out. Yeah. Put a little dab of that on top. And let uh, it just drizzle over. Yeah, it sounds really good, Mike. Yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> add some pecans into that if you'd like. You know, pecans would go well in there. Yeah. Walnuts, something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Get a little nutty or something. Yeah. Uh, you had something else you you had in mind to talk about also. Well, with the maple, yeah. So maybe like uh, one of the other ideas was just uh, – Maybe some walnut sage scones with a brown butter and maple glaze. Again, sticking with this maple concept this Wal- time of the year. Walnut and sage. Walnut and sage. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Oh, I think it's a great savory yeah. combination. Exactly. So scones, I think, typically are, you know, uh, I think historically scones are not necessarily completely sweet. You know, I think they're lightly sweetened and, and, a, and a little bit savory. You know, uh-huh. but you can add fruit to them. You know, again, this is this is the world we live in. It's your scones. You can do whatever you want with them. Okay. You know, but uh, you know, the bulk of this is going to be essentially this. You know, scones. I'm not sure if you're familiar with scones. Um, sure. Typically, it's just you know um, a biscuit-like cake. It's got flour and milk, and um, we're going to knead it and stuff like that. We're going to flip it over a few times. Kind of roll it like an envelope, um, get it to where it's semi-thick, and then we're going to put it in the refrigerator just for a little bit, or the freezer, and eventually we're going to pull it back out, and we're going to pop it in the oven, bake it off. And I do have a whole recipe for that. We can put that up on our website. Again, I put some walnuts in this. Um, There's milk in it. There's some yogurt in it, um, flour. There's whole wheat flour and uh, some white flour. Again, you can play with those, substitute those out for some better flours. Mm. Um, maybe even make these gluten-free, you yeah. know. Consider some almond flour, some corn flour, mm-hmm. you know. I yeah. think you can definitely make these gluten-free. Yeah. yeah. So. Scones. Scones, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. and then we're going to top those with a brown butter maple glaze. <laughs> yeah. So, again, you know, very, listen, this is a very, very simple thing that we're going to do here. We're going to take some... Uh, 
uh, you know, a little bit of butter, a little bit of maple syrup, a little bit of powdered sugar, a little bit of cream. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Very simple. Simple stuff. Simple stuff. These are these are very simple things. You know, this recipe that we're going to put up on our website, it's going to make about four scones. Doesn't seem like a lot. You know, you could probably double that. Yeah. Um, you could probably make this the night before and then have them in your refrigerator and then pop them in your oven the next morning if you want hot ones. Or make them the night before and just warm them slightly mm-hmm. next day. Sure. Yes, they, they keep pretty well. Scones. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Right on. Yeah. Okay. Well. I'm going to move a little bit away from the uh, bread products and type thing. Um, and I'm going more towards cooking for a crowd. Um, okay. And I'm going to talk about a, a breakfast strata. And, uh, strata. Yeah. So what is strata? So basically, as far as my understanding, is a, a strata is basically just going to be a casserole. And this is an egg, vegetable, sausage casserole with cheese and some spices. Okay. Um, and this is a typical thing in my family. We have many family gatherings where there's usually 10 to 15 to 20 people sometimes in one house, all looking for food, all looking for breakfast. So we pretty much everybody ends up making a strata that you can just pop in the oven at eight 30 in the morning by, by nine 30, you're feeding a ton of people. So this would be large pan, you're saying? Yeah, it's a casserole. You're, you're or... talking casserole okay. here, you know, and uh, and we're gonna go with a um, a nine by thirteen casserole dish. So so it's your your large side size casserole dish. Okay. And you, this is gonna take eight eggs, and you beat the eggs, um, set them to the side, and we're gonna use sausage. So uh, so you're gonna cook your sausage. Um, in a on the stovetop because um, obviously it needs to be cooked first um, once that's done you take it out of the pan and if you have any vegetables that you're going to add to this uh, mushrooms onions peppers then go ahead and cook that okay transfer everything into your casserole dish add the eggs about eight eight to ten beaten eggs um, if you want some milk add some milk, you know, uh, generally it's going to be a lot. You don't have to use cow's milk. You totally use, uh, almond milk or whatever it is, but, uh, many cup, you know, about three cups for a nine by 13 dish with eight, eight to 10 eggs. Okay. Um, add some cheese, a couple cups of cheddar cheese, Swiss cheese, mix it up. Um, anything you want. Uh, maybe you can add some cubed ham in there. Um, maybe, uh, some spinach, frozen spinach that you've drained, fresh spinach that you maybe cooked down just a little bit. Um, um, fresh, like not pre-cooked, but just actual fresh? Well, yeah, I, I would, if you're using fresh, personally, I would saute them pretty okay. quickly, you know, maybe to get rid of a little bit of the moisture. Uh, a little bit of moisture. Sure. Yeah, cook them down just a little bit. Okay. Um, and then, then, then add your spices, you know, uh, uh, garlic powder, uh, mustard powder, you know, anything you want, anything you think is going to taste good. Okay. You're going to preheat your oven to 350 and bake this. It's going to take about 45 minutes to an hour. And then, you know, that's it. You, okay. You know, check it with a knife. If it's all firm, you're done. Okay. Let it cool for about 10 minutes and then feed your family. Okay. You know, feed anybody that comes into the door. It's perfect. It's easy. You can make it ahead of time. And, uh, and how deep is your casserole dish? 
Uh, just like a typical, two inches. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, and so there. you're putting all your ingredients in first into the casserole dish? Well, anything you need to cook first, your okay. sausage or your vegetables, okay. add that first. So all that's going in. And then on top of that, you're going to add your eggs, your, your eggs milk, okay. your cheese. Uh, and you're uh, not, cheese. Uh, are you pre-mixing your eggs and milk? You can do that, sure. Okay. Yeah, probably that is okay. what you should do, okay. for sure. And then cheese on top or cheese going in your egg I would sure. mix it in with the cheese. Mix it in. With the eggs. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, maybe throw some on top. It would pretty, look pretty good. Okay. You know, and then maybe you can dot that with some basil or something sure. like that. Sure. Yeah. 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 That sounds great. Yeah, I make a dish similar. It's, you know, um, you're, you're making a strata. Mine's a, a frittata. Yeah. Uh, it's like the Italian version. Very similar. Yeah. Um, again, we're keeping everything in the when – I, when I do mine, I'm keeping everything in the pan. Yeah. And uh, it's probably, you know, I use actually um, heavy cream when I'm doing mine. Yeah. And it's probably two to one, two parts egg to one part heavy cream. Wow. Um, <clears throat> you know, nice rich cheeses. Yeah. So, and again, the bake time is probably about the same. But again, you know, there's all kind of things you can put in there. You want to put potatoes, pre-cooked potatoes. But everything needs to be pre-cooked. Yeah. Because those things are not going to cook yeah, in that egg mixture. That's right. So that's the main thing you have to realize. Yeah. So your mushrooms, you can if you want to eat more, uh, the raw mushrooms, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, so if your mushrooms, you're going to want to cook those down a little bit. Your sausage, your meats, those are going to be want to be pre cooked. Yeah. Um, but any of your meats, you can put bacon in there. You can put mm-hmm. um, sausage in there. Whatever you want. Yeah. You know, potatoes, vegetables, any kind of vegetables. You know, mm-hmm. whatever is your liking. Yeah. Tons of good cheeses out there. So, you know, you like your sharper cheeses. You like your more buttery cheeses, your softer cheeses. Go for it. Yeah, again, and one of the keys is, again, you can make it ahead of time. And yeah. it just makes your life easier. If you got 12 people all staring at you, where's my breakfast? Right. It's the cookies. Now, but this is probably not something you're going to want to make the night before in terms of prep. Is that true? Um, yeah. I don't see anything. Uh, and, and so my question is, would you actually put it in the casserole dish? At that point, so let's see. Yeah, I think I think what I would do, and and oh, I'm not quite sure exactly how it always happens, but I think it's a pre-cooked kind of thing. Okay, you know, maybe cook it three quarters, cook it halfway, maybe even cook it all the way. The night before, yeah, really, and then reheat, and then just reheat it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but you're eating it hot. You're not eating it cold. Yeah. Okay. Eat it hot. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if you didn't want to, I mean, I think the, a lot of those things definitely, um, you know, my only concern would be your eggs would fall and flatten a little bit. Okay. Um, if, you, if you're not going to bake it, yeah. you, I don't think you would definitely want to put it in the casserole and just sit it in the refrigerator for the night. No, I don't think so either. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Yeah, when I say ideally, make it ahead of time, I'm yeah, bake it. Baking the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and even if you wanted to, uh, really, if you really want to simplify your life in the morning and you wanted to do the whole process in the morning – in terms of um, it coming out in the oven in the morning, do all your pre-cooking the night before. Yeah, you know your meats and your vegetables and all that stuff. Uh, it doesn't. It's not a big deal if they're all cold, right? Yeah. So in the morning, boom. You know, you got five minutes to put your ingredients in the casserole dish. You know, maybe a five-minute mix time, getting your eggs and your your milk mixture together, putting that in your casserole dish, and then right into the oven. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And the only difference with mine, I mean, I've done them, you know, I think uh, I do typically would do mine in like a cast iron or a skillet or something like that, yeah. you know, in smaller little versions, but you know, you can make them as big as little as you want. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's similar to like a quiche almost without sort of a crust. A little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all the same idea. It's all the same concepts. Yeah. You know, these are, these are concepts that have come from Europe 
and they all kind of have the same ideas and are just tweaked a little bit from region to region. Mm-hmm. Basically, pretty much what was uh, available yeah. in that region. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we had some questions this this uh, this episode. Oh, that's nice. We always appreciate questions. Yeah. Uh, we reached out to see who had any breakfast questions, and we got a couple. Um, and the first one comes from Jessica from Virginia. And she wanted to know what was the best way to cook crispy bacon. Crispy at, bacon out of three, um, three different techniques: microwave, stovetop, or the oven. Okay. So I did a little test today. All right. And uh, all three methods. I didn't get the microwave method. Okay. Because I ran out of bacon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I, I think I came up with a pretty good option, and it really just took a couple, you know, just took some quick research. So I did the oven, and I did the stovetop. And the stovetop method, pretty basic. Everybody knows, you know, I, I, I did use a, a cast iron griddle and, uh, you know, medium heat, cook the bacon. And you're saying and a was, cast iron griddle yeah. versus a cast iron pan. skillet. Yeah, pan. skillet. Okay. Yeah. So... And I just use a griddle because okay. I've got one, and, sure. it, and it works great because it drains. You yeah, know, and I did notice yours, so you're not talking a flat top. You're talking a, a griddle that's yeah. got some ridges on the it. ridges, yeah. Okay, right. Just because I wanted to drain the grease sure. off, you know. Yeah. Um, now, that didn't turn out as crispy as the oven. Maybe okay. it's because the dre- grease drains off. I'm not okay. really sure. Okay. But the oven method I found was perfect, right on the money, and uh, it was super crispy. I mean, with no effort at all. Okay. Um, so, uh, spread the bacon out on a cookie sheet, put it into a cold oven, into a cold oven, into a cold oven, set the temperature of 400, got it going, set the timer to 20 minutes. Okay. I had, it was pretty thin bacon. Okay. Um, but when I pulled it out, when that timer went off at 20 minutes, it was done. It was perfectly crispy, ready to go. Now it was swimming in grease. Yeah. But, it was perfect bacon. Okay, so, uh, and you're not flipping this. You're just putting it in the oven. I just put you're it in the oven. You're not flipping it? Nope, okay. didn't touch it. Okay. Barely looked at it. All right. Um, and it was, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. Okay. It, it worked out so perfectly. You know, so that's my answer. Okay. The oven is the most effective method. Now, of course, okay, I didn't try the microwave, but, you know. Sure. Somebody else out there, try it and see. let us know. Um, well, I think this. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I'm not a bacon snob. Nece- I'm, not, I'm yeah. not a bacon snob necessarily. Yeah. Um, I do love bacon, and um, I am a bacon snob. <laughs> Wait. <a minute. laughs> um, uh, now, when I say that, you know, I mean, listen, it's like this. Yeah. If you're going to cook bacon in the microwave, yeah. you might as well go buy the pre-cooked bacon okay. and those Oscar Mayer packages <laughs> and pop it in the oven. Okay. If that's the actual step you're going to take, I'm right. just I just don't think bacon. Is there something about that that makes me want to cringe? You're a traditionalist. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess there's just something about that. All right. You know, I don't know what it is, but yeah, bacon in a microwave. Yeah, if you're in a hurry, maybe. Yeah. Um, but if we're actually going to cook here and like we're, we're looking for some some better results, but um, but still, I'll stop you there. It couldn't have been easier. To put bacon on a cookie sheet, set the the oven for 400 right. degrees, I agree. walk away, come I agree. back in 20 minutes, pull it out. I Just agree. don't forget about it. Sure. You're going to burn your house down. I agree. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's the way we're doing it at the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm not doing it in a pan. I'm not doing it in a cast. Yeah. I mean, for the most efficient, uh, the, the for the most efficient way that we're 
to get the good results, that's what we're doing. We're doing it in an oven. Cool. Uh, I'm definitely not um, starting cold. I might have to try that method and see what happens. But one method that I have been playing with is, um, now this is, would be in a cast iron. Um, you wouldn't be able to do it necessarily on your uh, griddle. Um, but you could do it in your cast iron and you could do it in your oven. This method is to add water to what to the bacon, really to the bacon. Huh? Now this is interesting because here's what's happening here. Huh? So how much? Okay. I'll like, go ahead. Sorry. You pretty much just cover it and you may have to cover it a couple times. I know. Listen, (laughs) it blew my mind. A buddy of mine down in Virginia had told me about this. And uh, ironically, is, it, is our question coming from Virginia? Uh, yes, Jessica from Virginia. Well, when I found out this method, you know, I'm getting this. Uh, so maybe there's some, <laughs> there, maybe the, the, the people in Virginia have the answers and the questions. <laughs> um, but I've played with this a few times now. So uh, I'm adding water to my bacon in my cast iron pan. Okay. Uh-huh. Or, or skill, you know, any like, uh, you know, nonstick pan or however, whatever you decide. Okay. But this is definitely not an. Well, I should say this. I haven't tried this in the oven. Okay. Okay. I've only tried it in a cast iron. On the stovetop. On a stovetop. Mm-hmm. Um, adding water. And essentially what you're doing is you're almost steaming the bacon. Yeah. And the water's reducing. There is fat that's coming out of the bacon. Uh-huh. But by the time, and again, this is something you're constantly playing with and you're, and you're constantly monitoring. But when you get to the end of this, you're ending up with a very crispy bacon Yet a very, uh, you know, crispy is su- subjective to me because okay. there's a lot of places that have crispy bacon. Yeah. But it's dry. Yeah, it's way, it's, it's way overcooked. And it's all that. overcooked. Yeah. So, you know, and there, it's crunchy. Yeah. You know? So, again, bacon is one of those things where it's subjective. It's like, what do you mean when you actually say crispy bacon? Mm. I'm looking for a crispy bacon. That still has some, you know, ply, uh, pliability to it. Sure. And but it's but nice and crispy. And it's got yeah, a nice crunch. little crunch to it. Yeah. Um, but there's still life left in it. Yeah. You know, and that life is probably the fat. Yeah. You know. <laughs> sure. So uh, I think the water method. What's happening is you're actually releasing out some of the fat and pulling up some more water uh, content. And you're probably blending the water and the fat mm. together. Yeah. So to pull moisture back up into it. Huh. Okay. But interesting concept. I think you should give it a shot and see what you can come up with. So I just want to make sure I understand here. So let's say if uh, you have a 10-inch skillet or whatever. Yep. I mean, you do a couple tablespoons, just enough to barely cover the bottom of the pan. You're not boiling these, yeah? No, I mean, again, uh, there's enough water in there that I there's a presence of water. But the bacon itself isn't floating or anything. It's not, like no. It's not yeah. like you're uh, – it's not like you're deep frying bacon in water. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But there's, uh, again, so just like you with with your uh, oven muff, uh, oven method, yeah. I'm starting cold. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not starting with a hot pan. Yeah. You know, I'm starting cold, and I'm putting water in there. At that point, it's probably, you know, if you're doing a 12-inch uh, cast, and they, it, let's say you're cooking a whole pound of bacon, yeah. it probably at least a half a cup of water. Okay. You know? Well, At least a sure. half a cup of water. Sure. And as it starts to cook down... You know, again, this is, I'm doing this over like a medium temperature. I'm slow cooking this. I'm adding more. I mean, both times that I've tried it now, I've added more, like probably two to three times I've added water. Wow. To the point, you know, you're monitoring when the bacon will actually um, start to get to the point where you're calling it done and to the point where it's starting to crisp up. At that point, you still want 
all, all at that point most of your moisture would be gone. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But what's left in the pan, and maybe you're bringing up more fat. I mean, this isn't the best way. You're probably bringing up a little bit more fat back up into the bacon. But what you're achieving is a crispy bacon and a moist bacon. I like it. Yeah. It's right. worth giving a try. There you go, but it Justin. is, you know, uh, you know the, the question, the original question stems from how do you get a crispy bacon? Yeah. Or what's and, the best way? Uh, what is what's the best way? And, um, and what is the most efficient way? Yeah. This is... This definitely requires a little bit more monitoring, yeah. Uh, as opposed to your method of just popping it in the oven, yeah. You know, so it's definitely something that requires just a little more attention. Well, that's fascinating, Mark. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, just uh, <laughs> I mean, it's worth giving a try, yeah. At least but, once and say, hey, you may cool. you may say, yeah, I don't. This guy's crazy. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, and not, you might not like that at all, but uh, I, I was shocked when someone told me about it. I gave it a try, and I definitely liked it. Well, very cool. Yeah. There you go, Jessica. Okay, so our next question is from Rebecca in Maryland. And she wants to know about cooking scrambled eggs because apparently she's been having trouble getting it just the way she likes it. it it'll come out either too runny or, or too, uh, too dry. Um, so the first thing I have to say about that is, no offense, Rebecca, but you might just have to pay a little closer attention to your eggs sure. while you're cooking them. But, and all I can say is, is I know how I like to cook my scrambled eggs and it's not going to be the way your French masters tell you to do it and any of that stuff. I will, you know, I'll, I'll take three, I usually like to do three eggs and scramble them up, put them in the pan, warm pan, cold pan, you know, warm pan, medium heat. And I usually use a little olive oil or some butter and I just let it sit. You know, I don't agitate, I don't stir, I don't do anything like that. I just let it sit until you see the edges are cooking. And you see, really, you know, the bottom of the pan's cooked, the edges are cooked, and you can see that it's still raw in the middle. And then I start folding. You know, I'll fold the edges in, and I'll just let it rest. And then maybe I'll flip it, and I'll let it rest. And then I'll basically start slicing it, you know, into, you know, into, you know, folded strips. And then you can see what's happening. You can see whether it's cooked on the inside or not. But really, when you're when you once you start folding, you're really folding cooked into non-cooked, and everything's going to come out even, you know. And, and once you start slicing in, and maybe you start scrambling, then um, you you just really can see what's happening. And nothing's too runny, nothing's too dry. You're paying close attention. Okay. And then this is the way I like it. You know, you don't. I like large chunks of scrambled eggs as opposed to really, you know, tiny, um, you know, crumbles of egg, I guess you can say, right. You know, it's just the way I like it. Dump it in a pan. Don't agitate it. Don't stir it. And then start folding. Once you see the edges are cooked, paying close attention, slicing in, and you can see what's happening on the inside. Okay. Um, but you know, this is something that research look into. There's ton, there's a million different ways to cook scrambled egg. Right. And you know, like I mentioned the French masters, those guys, they put the egg in a pan. Usually I think it's like a saucepan. You put it on the heat, you take it off the heat, you put it on the heat, you take it off the heat. You're, you're, you're stirring, you're, and you're adding, you're adding fistfuls of butter yep. and, and, and heavy great. cream, <laughs> you great. know, and then, you know, and cheese, you know, so that's like, it, to me, it's like almost a totally different thing. Um, so 
Anyway, that's that's so, my two so cents. Who, where, um, who, who's asking this question? Rebecca, you said. Yeah, Rebecca. Yeah, from you know. Maryland. So my question to Rebecca would be, for, you know, really for me to answer that question is you have to almost define. The question was, what was the question? Okay, so she wants to know how to get that perfectly, I guess, medium cook on a scrambled egg. Okay, like a medium cook. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really, when you're asking, if you're asking the question, we have to define well, what what. What what is perfect to you? And yeah. I think to for that medium to achieve those medium results, I definitely think. I mean, first and foremost, here here is my things with scrambled eggs or any eggs. Yeah, buy good eggs. Okay, buy good eggs. Okay, if you have a farmer around or a farmer's market mm-hmm. or sources for that, buy the good eggs. Yeah, you know, there's nothing like good eggs. Yeah, there's and just, just not. Just to just to go back real quick, same thing with bacon. Absolutely. Bacon. Absolutely. Okay. But sorry, go ahead. I well, you know, let's just back up real quick and then I'll okay. f- follow up on that. <laughs> I mean, even at, even at your local uh, grocers these days, Martin's, yeah. your big boys, they're going to have good bacon. Thick cut. They have nice stuff. Yeah. You just have to search it out a little bit, you know. To, but definitely, um, you know, look in your organic sections and stuff like that. There's definitely better bacons out there than your run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah. Um, so, and I do think that that actually plays into it because, um, you know, I mean, you can you can definitely look at at bacon's side by side, and one of them's going to have more fat. One's going to have more meat, you know, in those cuts and stuff. But jumping forward back to our back to the question about the eggs, uh-huh. um, definitely look for the good eggs. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. if you have to buy them at Martin's or if you have to buy them at you know at a big boy place. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? A big, a big, a big, uh, a big, big store, box. big box. That's that's the word I'm looking for. Big box. Um, you know, they're definitely going to have some organic, free range eggs there. Sure. Still coming off a, more of a factory place, yeah. but definitely better than your just every run of the. I agree. Right. Mm-hmm. So find your good eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree with you. I mean, some people do put milk in them. Yeah. Some people put a little bit of cream in them. Um, I personally do not. Yeah. Um, I think the key thing that you had mentioned earlier is when you're doing eggs, you do not want your pan too hot. Yeah. If, if you get your pan too hot, essentially when you go to put those eggs in, at that point you're starting an omelet. <laughs> yeah. You know what I sure, mean? Sure. And you're drying out those eggs already. Yeah. So, um, you know, just a little bit of bubbly. If you're going to start with some butter, definitely a little bit of bubbly in your butter, mm-hmm. but definitely don't get that pan too hot. And I yeah. know you said the French chefs are definitely pulling them off in one. Yeah. You know, I'm not suggesting you have to do that, mm. but it's again, it's that desired result of what you're actually looking for. Yeah. You know, I definitely like a little bit more of a creamier. Uh, I want them cooked, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily want them like dry. Yeah. You know, well, I think we're we're all in agreement. And same thing, I think Rebecca, it's a it's a nice medium, sure, you know, right in the middle, right. You know, that's right. definitely the way I like it right. too. But I think I think the biggest problem for a lot of people is they turn that pan on too high, yeah, and you know, essentially they they dump that eggs in there. If they're using a cream mix, cream mm-hmm. or uh, uh, milk in with their eggs, blend it. Um, once that you know, once those eggs hit that pan, again, you're just starting into cooking an omelet and yeah. they just start to dry out immediately. And that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Cooking an omelet's a completely different, sure, absolutely. <laughs> completely yeah. different episode. Yeah. Well that, listen, those were, <laughs> those were, um, two really great questions, but yeah, you know, hey, we, Re- Jessica and Rebecca, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, awesome. we definitely always encourage people to like, um, ask questions, you know, if, about our recipes or if you have any of our past episodes, if you want to like, ask us questions on that, you can go to relishpod.com. You can definitely, um, there's a, 
a, a section there where you can ask questions and you know don't be don't be shy send us any questions you know no questions are silly questions um, we're trying to help people out and make sense for people on these somewhat basic things yeah um, good and hey um, rebecca throw a throw an avocado on top of that scrambled egg with a little salt and pepper that's a breakfast of champions oh there you go <laughs> i like that um so definitely yeah we always encourage the questions well, I don't know. Before we get too deep, I mean, I don't know. I think we're kind of coming to a little bit of an end here. Yeah. Um, again, we are the start of spring here. Yeah. So looking forward to our future episodes. I know we're going to eventually talk about some party foods. Yeah, I think that's uh, our next episode. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking, uh, yeah, what do you take to a party? Sure. Because uh, hey, if someone is having a covered dish party or whatever, you, you got to come – Correct. You got to bring your good stuff. Sure. You know, you want people, I don't, you know, I, I don't know about any other, anybody else, but I want people to say that was some great food, man. Thanks for bringing that. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that's what most people do. They kind of define themselves, um, on those one or two things that they make really well. Yeah. Um, but hopefully we can encourage people to try some different dishes mm-hmm. and maybe that could be their new thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the other thing worth mentioning is, again, this is the first day of spring. Uh, I, if you haven't, haven't been to a hardware store or Lowe's or a Home Depot anytime in the last couple of weeks to a month, you know, all the snowblowers are gone, Tim. Yeah. You know, it's grilling season. Everyone's pulling out yep. for the grilling season. It gets earlier and earlier every year. For me, it never really ends. For you, it never really ends. True. We're always in grilling season. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would encourage people to not wait until the last minute. You know, if you need some, you know, repairs on your grill or some new equipment or your charcoals and stuff like that, yeah. um, go out and start looking for that stuff. Get because before you know it, you're going to have those nice days. You're going to pull that grill out and yeah, really get to it. You're going to see your gas cans empty or your, 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 see how much I use a propane grill. Right. <laughs> your propane's empty. Sure. You're out absolutely. of charcoal. Right. Yeah. So get on it. Don't be lazy. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so I don't know what else we have to talk about. Uh, we always want to mention, uh, record, talk, listen, you know, none of this would be possible without Lydia over there at record, talk, listen. She really gives us a lot of shout outs and we'd like to give her a shout out for all she's done for our production. She's about 90% of this. She really is. We're just the pretty faces. That's right. (laughs) Behind the microphones. (laughs) On the radio. Right. Um, but you know, as always, we encourage people to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RelishPod. And, you know, we always encourage people to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Relish Pod. Uh, we got a great soup and stock episode on there. Uh, our paella episode, which is a really, really great episode. Yep. Cooking paella on the big green egg. Yep. Uh, probably a first, but who knows? Maybe it's been so. done, but it was pretty think... exciting that, we've, that we did it. Yep. Uh, and we have our cauliflower uh, pizza episode, uh-huh. uh, flower episode. Yeah. So that's a couple of good ones. And we'll be, I think here moving forward, we'll definitely be getting some newer and newer um, episodes up on our YouTube channel. Cool. Hey, there is something that I want to mention. Sure. Um, speaking of the big green egg. Um, so last Tuesday, we had a snowstorm in the mid-Atlantic in the New England area, whatever. We had a snowstorm. Okay. So I had uh, in mind to... Uh, Lydia and I love snow days, so we take advantage of that. And I set up, and I, I decided I was going to bake, try to bake a loaf of bread on the egg, which is something I haven't tried yet. You know, we've done quite a few things. I said, you know, I want to do a loaf of bread, at least figure it out so that I can do it successfully. Sure. 
And I failed miserably at this, Mark. I mean, to the point where I'm still scraping the burnt bread off of my cast iron little Dutch oven that I Okay, used. so you're doing this Dutch oven style. Yeah, basically just okay. Dutch oven, you know, okay. so it's... It was a no-knead bread recipe. You put it in a hot Dutch oven, okay. whatever. My heat was way too high. I didn't pay close enough attention to it. My point is, don't be afraid to screw up. Yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Go out of the box. Go out of your comfort sure. level and go for it. Just right. try it. Right. If you screw up, you're going to learn something, and you're going to yeah. do it that much better next time. I mean, right. just... Yeah, just, it, just do it. Try it. If you think you can do it, absolutely. Just try it. And again, but I, you know, I think that we've talked about this on previous episodes. I do think that that's one of the reasons that people are afraid to try things, especially when you're talking about your higher higher dollar yeah. um, products and stuff. People don't want to fail. Yeah, people don't want to screw up. So, um, but don't be afraid to try. No, it, you're gonna. Everybody's gonna mess up. Right. Everybody's going to fail right. at something and, and you then all, you try it again yeah. and it works. You can always learn from those mistakes. Well, again, so listen, we, we appreciate everyone. This is again, this is our, uh, you know, uh, our 12th episode mm-hmm. one year deep. Yep. Uh, we're pretty excited for that. As always, we encourage people to submit those questions to us. If you do have questions about this or that or grilling or whatever, anything that we can help you with, we might not have the answer, but we're going to try to help you find the answer. Yeah. And uh, we'll give it our best shot and at least our um, somewhat of our opinion. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. Well, again, I uh, appreciate you um, coming to Relish Pod today. Where simple pleasures are gained by cooking what you eat. I'm Mark Witt. And I'm Tim Gallagher. And we'll see you next time. Okay. Thanks. Bye.